to Digitalization Tech Talks. Thank you for listening to part two of this two-part episode entitled Digitalization Demystified, Four Essential Technologies to Crack the Code. Part one was released previously, and a link to it is included in the show notes. We now continue with our interview with Michael Baum, Executive Director of PI North America. Another technology, or should I say concept, is NOAA, the more open architecture. So how does that fit into the process industries and how can they make use of that? Okay, so I mentioned Namur as this organization of petrochemical companies and pharmaceutical companies, and they also had this idea of Namur Open Architecture, or NOAA, which is based on the idea of a data diode. And what Namur said is, we don't want to touch the existing production network, in our case, Profinet. We want that to just run as it is. But on the other hand, we want to gather all of this beautiful untapped data that is available in our plant. How do we do that? And how do we solve quite common use cases much more easily? These use cases are well-known, predictive maintenance, for example, asset management, for example, et cetera, et cetera. And so this data diode is called a data diode because information flows in only one direction. So we're not going to touch the production network, Profinet, but we want to get data out in one direction to a cloud to a SCADA system using protocols, for example, like MQTT or OPC UA without affecting the the plan operations. And then if you take APL and you think about that, again, as as a physical layer, because that's all it is, is a physical layer. It's just ethernet, but now you can do this even down at the device level. So a device will have both a Profinet interface and a small OPC UA interface. Profinet for for production, and then OPC UA for uh, all that rich information that can be thought about for predictive maintenance or or asset management. So this idea is really fits nicely and dovetails nicely with the idea of of APL. Well, that's a lot of uh, great information, Michael, and I appreciate you talking about some of the use cases as well. That's really helpful, I think, for our listeners. And talking about Profinet, I'd like to continue on the technology theme and, and Profinet and talk a little bit about Profinet PA. Since it comes from Profibus PA, are there any key lessons learned from Profibus PA that have been incorporated into Profinet PA? And also, really important in the process industries is system redundancy. So maybe you could touch on that. And then I've heard about the PA profile as well. And maybe you can, you can touch on all of those. I think that's kind of what's unique about Profinet is that we have this pedigree and this long, long history and lessons learned from Profibus PA. Profinet PA isn't anything specific, but we started looking at this almost from the beginning of Profinet. And what we did is what we always do within PI is we came up with a working group and said, okay, how can we make Profinet really work well in the process industries? And these guys collected roughly 170 requirements that Profinet must satisfy in order to be applicable in in process industries. And if you like, I can now read through those in a a dull monotone. Okay, that was a, a bad joke. We highlighted a few in particular, like you mentioned, system redundancy and the PA profile. So system redundancy is super important, particularly in process where you have the concept of running 24-7, 365 
you bring up your plant, you run it, and that's it. You don't want to don't want to stop. And so, what system redundancy enables, and as you mentioned in your in your previous podcast that touched on this, is you can have controller redundancy, you can have media redundancy. So we're talking about ring networks, or even even device redundancy. I mean, when you get to that level, now you're talking about availability, high availability, that if something were to go wrong, you, you've probably got bigger problems. And we've defined four configurations. They're known as S1, S2, R1, and R2. And the letter determines if it's a single or redundant physical connection. And then the number determines how many logical connections are supported on each of those physical connections. So S1, that's your standard connection between one controller and one device. And then S2 is really where things get interesting because you have redundant controllers. And that's interesting because if you have a controller that fails in a process plan, that's a, that's a big, big deal. And so if you can have S2 redundancy, where if a controller fails, it quickly switches over to a redundant controller. And then those devices have two logical connections. So that's the two and S2. It's a hot swap, switches over, and you're there's no downtime. And so you can combine that with things like media redundancy, and, and that's separate from scalable system redundancy. And we say scalable because it goes even further to things like R1, where you're talking about redundant devices, and R2, and now you have redundant controllers, redundant networks, redundant devices. Again, I'm not sure how many people are, are going to get to that level, but we've at least spec'd it out if that's needed for your use case. So this is what we mean when we're talking about Profinet PA, things beyond just the physical layer like Ethernet APL, that's all it is, is a physical layer. It's not a protocol. It doesn't have all these features baked in that are needed for, for process automation. Another one, like you mentioned, is the PA profile. So this has to do with device replacement. So if you bring in a device as a temperature transmitter, yeah, you could bring that device into your DCS as vendor XYZ temperature transmitter, or you could bring it in using this profile as a generic temperature transmitter. And then it allows you to do things like device replacement down the road. Because as we know, process plants are often run for 20 years, 30 years. And the chances that that vendor hasn't made updates or advancements to their device in that two decade or three decade time period is pretty small. And so what happens if that temperature transmitter fails and you want to bring in a new one that kind of has a different, let's say, ident number or different description? Well. If it's per the PA profile, you bring it in, it assumes the ident number of the older device that was originally installed, and away you go, and it's and it's plug and play. And then there are other things like diagnostic signals, so advanced diagnostics, not just red light, green light, but we have a four scale of, hey, check the function, that's blue, maintenance required, that's yellow, out of spec, that's orange, and then big red is, is things failed for things like predictive maintenance. And that's all built into the PA profile. And there are many, many more. Like I mentioned, we've got 170 of these things that we looked at. For example, uh, dynamic reconfiguration. If you want to add or remove modules or submodules in a device or change parameters, which is pretty common, add a new device, which is pretty common, you need to do that because the plant runs 24-7. So you need to do that. If you think in the factory automation world where you do that is you, you put the PLC into stop mode make your change on the configuration, and then put the PLC in run mode. Well, in process, that doesn't work. So we have this concept of dynamic reconfiguration where the DCS continues to run while you make these changes. Things like time stamping for sequence of events or alarms and diagnostics. So all of these things, that's what we mean when we say 
Profinet PA. It's a whole collection of, of features built into the protocol. That was a really good overview, Michael. Thank you very much. Now that you've covered a few technologies and you also covered quite a few use cases, which is Don's point, which is great. I want to look at the at the big picture. Um, mentioned that in the beginning too. How do these technologies fit in and what role do you think they'll play in the future as part of a company's digital transformation efforts, for instance? You already covered it a little bit, but want to talk a little bit more about it. The way that I'm seeing it from where I'm sitting, it's very clear that they all have the potential to positively impact the process industries. But how do you see this? I see this broadly as making things easier. Historically, again, slow moving industry, but I think if you're looking at building a, a process automation plant today, you really should be looking very hard at Ethernet APL. Just, I, I would say, bet on bet on APL. There is an incredible, incredible amount of work going on at the device level, at the controller level, for these companies to build this technology into their products because you get the the ease of of use of, let's say. 4 to 20 milliamp combined with the feature functionality of something like a, a Profibus PA. And that's where you start bringing Profinet down to the field levels over this, this advanced physical. So if you do nothing else to think about digital transformation, digitalization, you, you simply bet on APL. Uh, you, you, you can't go wrong because it's, it's future proof and it's just Ethernet. So anything you want to do in the future, you, you, you're able to do. And then, as I mentioned before, you know it, it is just a physical layer, so it's it's a, it's an enabler, but it's not a complete solution. It doesn't have all those Profinet PA features that I mentioned. So, if you're looking at how to digitalize your, your factory, you have to run the factory, and that should be taken for granted almost to run the factory. And so, the automation protocol must support that in order for you to do all of these other digital transformation things. Many of these use cases aren't new. It's just what, what these technologies enables to make it easier to do because it's all standards-based. There are many, many products available that can connect to these standards and utilize these standards. This competition among companies spurs innovation that makes things more powerful, lower cost, things like that, easier to use. And so I, I think it's a pretty exciting time based on these new technologies to, to be involved in, even in a slower-moving industry like process. Well, Michael, you've covered a number of different use cases, and I think Millie made some compelling arguments that our listeners may want to go down the path of using one or more of these technologies. Um, one thing we like to cover in the podcast is how do you get started? Can you make any recommendations about how people might learn more after they listen to the podcast and, and want to go down one of those paths? Yeah, sure. We we actually get this question a lot in, in many of the training events that, that we do. Hey, how do we how do we buy this Profinet? And actually, a lot of the technology and things we're talking about are are just standards. It's not something that you can go out and and buy. What you really want are the products that have these built into them. A, a DCS from from Siemens, for example. That's where you want to start. Talk to these guys because they're the ones that have the products that utilize them to enable these these use cases. Apart from that, sure, we, PI North America, have many, many, many resources on our website, white papers and webinars and, and all these kinds of things. If, if you want to learn more, you mentioned Profi News at the very beginning. That's a, that's a really cool resource in and of itself, a monthly newsletter. So if you want to learn more about the technologies, those are the places to go. But once you want to utilize them, your preferred vendor is the best way to get started. 
Well, Michael, thank you. And we will provide some of these links in the show notes. I want to thank you for providing us and also our listeners with such great insights that's based on a lot of years of experience, Michael. Before we wrap up the episode, are there any final thoughts or any recommendation that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? From from our perspective at PI, without giving too, too much away, I would say just stay tuned. We've got quite some cool things in the pipeline that maybe we can't talk about today, but we've got some cool things in the pipeline that, that we're working on that we're going to release over the next, I would say, six to 18 months that people might find particularly interesting in the, in the process world. So keep your eye on us. And thanks for having me on your podcast today. That's intriguing. Sounds like we're going to need to have you back for another episode. Thank you, Michael, for those final remarks and for participating in today's interview. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. And that brings us to the end of this episode. If you, our listeners, have any questions about any of the topics we discussed today or would like to learn more about PI International, PI North America, or any of the technologies that Michael covered today, please feel free to reach out to Michael directly. His email address is included in the show notes. And also, Jonas and I are always open to your comments, thoughts, and feedback on the show or the topics. You can also find our contact information in the show notes. We would love to hear from you. If you liked what you heard today, please help us to spread the word by rating the show. And if you're not already a subscriber and would like to be notified when new episodes are released, please subscribe to the series. Thank you for listening to this episode of Digitalization Tech Talks.